0: Howdy, Hootah Thunkers. This is the host of the Hootah Thunked podcast, Zeb, coming here. Episode 103, titled The Jaws of Life. And we'll be talking about The Jaws of Life, but before we get into that, let's talk about the recommendation segment. This week, I recommend you check out the Hulu original series, Pam and Tommy. The show is about the real-life story of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's honeymoon sex tape that was stolen and leaked to the public. Um, I was born in 1993, so I don't remember much at all about this scandal as it was happening. But I do know it was the first viral video. The tape was spread all over the place and just about everyone around at the time saw it. I also know of Pamela Anderson because I was a teenage boy once and she was on Playboy. um, And she's really, really attractive. But what makes this show so interesting is how it shows each person involved as actual people. Pamela Anderson wasn't just a bimbo. She was a small-town... Can I mean, (laughs) wasn't just a bimbo. Bimbo is a derogatory. I don't mean to be mean to Pamela Anderson, especially after watching this show. She seems like a really, really cool person. Uh, She was a small-town Canadian girl with dreams of becoming a mom. She had hopes and aspirations. She did work hard. She did have integrity. Um, It just, during one of the most difficult times of her life, didn't come out that way. And I have heard... um, Pamela said stuff like that this show is re- just opening old wounds um, and I could I get how that would be bad for her but also I'm sure I'm not I'm not the only one who now sees her in a completely different light that she was a real person not just you know a sex symbol that oh no a tape of your sex got out um why do you so why are you so mad about it you know what I mean that's what that it makes a lot more sense this is a private thing that got out and for younger people, We're like what do you mean viral video yeah in the 90s they weren't streaming video (laughs) like this it was on a what you would do is a site that you would log on to you'd pay money to this guy who stole the tape and like 60 bucks and he'd send you a vhs tape in the mail and you'd get it that was how they distributed this this porn video without getting any release uh signatures from the people involved and it also doesn't show tommy lee is just a rock star You know, while the show did portray him as a straight-up asshole to his contractors, they also portrayed him as a loving husband and a mournful father. Um, Like, these two loved each other. At least that's how the show shows them. I I didn't know them personally. I don't know them personally. But the show portrays them as really loving, caring individuals. And this is something that really was a a major um, violation of privacy, even for people who are... um, You know, when you're when you're famous and you're in the public eye, you have less privacy rights than a regular person who's not famous. And but even for famous people, this was quite I mean, it it really crossed the line. The subject material is obviously full of raunchy comedy stuff. Uh, So it's funny. Seth Rogen's in it. He's what he's the guy. He plays the guy who steals the tape. It's hilarious. There's really funny parts to it. Keeps you entertained. But I think the overall message of the show is pretty good. Um, It's to highlight what the Internet has done to our society as a whole. And whether for better or worse, the Internet has connected us all. And it is a great power that can be a great help to a lot of people or it could ruin people's lives like this. And this it's a whole question of privacy and what rights do people have, especially famous people? Um, Pam and Tommy's sex tape is one of the first examples of that. It's the first viral video. I, as you'll know, as I talked about the main event here um, with the Jaws of life. I love like privacy laws, communication laws, um, copyright, patents, stuff like that, um, trademarks. So this is this is a big one. This is all about like what is the what what are they what are their rights to their own personal. Um, privacy. And it comes into question, Pamela Anderson, part of her career was selling her body um, sexually, not, you know, as a prostitute, but, you know, in Playboy, she did show her body um, and making those comparisons, the process, you know, some of the the legal stuff they get into. I was like, this is very interesting. And also, like I said, it's hilarious. So check it out. It's called Pam and Tommy on Hulu. It's a Hulu original. Now for the main event Back in 1958, the Hurst Performance um, Company was founded by Bill Campbell and George Hurst in Warminster Township, Pennsylvania. The company manufactured and marketed products for enhancing the performance of automobiles, most notably muscle cars. Oh, hell yeah. George Hurst built a thriving business around the motor racing, building floor-mounted gear shifts for race cars. Um, By the... 1960s Hearst transmission shifters and other products had become legendary in auto racing, particularly in drag racing and among custom car makers. Many automobile enthusiasts replaced flimsy factory shifters like the factory standard shifters and steering column shifters as well with Hurst floor shifters to obtain better control of gear selection, particularly for competitive driving. As automotive historian Mike Mueller noted, if you didn't have a Hurst shifter in your supercar, you were a mild-mannered loser. So it was a big deal. You get a Hurst on there and it doesn't come with your car, but they put it in there. And I guess there's a, I think the Pontiac Firebird used to use Hurst products in their car but they took the logos off just because you know it's it's a pontiac firebird they bought it and then later on their marketing people were like we got to keep that hearst logo on those shifters they're going to sell like wild and they did see sales increase so hearst was a very reputable awesome manufacturer for cars and for race cars and muscle cars drag racing official racing and you know illegal racing too um car enthusiasts love them too so that's what the hearst company was known for George Hurst, uh, the guy the company is named after, his company's hand in enhancing the performance of some of America's most beloved cars brought George Hurst to Indianapolis Motor Speedway in 1961. And this is an important time here. While the race is back in 1961, he witnessed a crash and watched as the rescue crews took over an hour just to extract the driver from the wreckage. An idea came to George Hurst at that moment, that grim moment, um, he basically thought to himself, there has to be a better way. This idea occurs to many people over time, but it takes that entrepreneurial spirit to actually turn that idea into something getting done. Um, so he's, he saw this wreck, saw it took him over an hour. They're using all these saws. It's, it was, a, it was a mess. And, um, You know i did google i didn't look into it terribly but i did google 1961 indianapolis motor speedway crash came across a picture i was like i'm gonna put that in the blog it'll look good give a reference what it looked like that day and then it said died there was a fatal crash so i'm thinking that might be the crash the guy died don't quote me on that but anyway We're thinking that guy died, and so that's why Hearst was like, we got to do something about that. So he got to work. He had to come up with a process or tool to make wreckage extraction more efficient. He started by examining the current tools used. Circular saws was the big one. Besides taking way too much way too much time to cut into the frame of a car these saws were extremely loud which distressed those who were trapped and they created uh, sparks which greatly increased the chance of an explosion considering car wrecks typically have fuel spilled everywhere so you don't want sparks flying everywhere you don't want terrible noise you don't want all this stuff jostling all around not very good for extraction, but what else were they going to use? Other attempts to free trapped victims were done with a crowbar or a Halligan bar. Halligan bars, like you've probably seen firefighters use them, it's like a crowbar with a couple extra things in the end that make it easier to pry stuff open. It's a cool bar, but in doing so, using these bars, the rescue crews often made vehicles unstable. You don't want that to happen where they might shift, fall on somebody, make the situation even worse. So, prying open car doors with giant metal bars. Uh, works, but it isn't a quick job. It takes a long time, manpower, plus all that jostling around shifts the car could endanger the trapped victim further. So Hearst came up with a different tool, the Hearst Power Tool, he called it. Uh, the first prototype was a patented hydraulic rescue tool that weighed 350 pounds. <laughs> Not practical at all. This, of course, was way too heavy for uh, pretty much any rescue crews to wield properly, uh, but it was a start. And I have a picture of the original prototype. It's immense, and it looks really freaking cool. Uh, the jaws of life. Uh, but he, if, at this point, just called the Hearst Power Tool. Within a decade, the Hearst Power Tool was cut down to about 65 pounds, much more you know, wieldly, wieldly, I guess is a word, uh, making it much more useful and marketable as well. So in 1971, they took the Hearst Power Tool to the SEMA SEMA trade show. Um, That's the Specialty Equipment Marketers Association um, in California. The spotlight propelled their device into stardom and soon the fire departments were all around the world were carrying it on their fire trucks. The World of Rescue soon realized hydraulic spreader cutters are quieter faster stronger and more versatile they can cut open and even lift a vehicle um, so this tool is doing something that usually rescue crews needed a ton of different tools to do um, and those other tools while you know it's already impractical you need a bunch of different tools to do it they also did the job worse took longer made it more dangerous here's this thing can do all of it right here and now so pretty badass tool, pretty helpful. Another little cool detail about the Jaws of Life is about the hydraulic fluid itself. Um, Oil is the most commonly used incompressible fluid for hydraulic machines. However, the Jaws of Life equipment uses a phosphate or phosphate tester fluid, uh, bad pronunciation there, but phosphate based uh, fluid, which is fire resistant and electrically non-conductive. So at a crash scene this type of synthetic fluid is favored over conventional oil think about it the same thing um you know the little details like this are what make this piece of equipment so cool it was created by a company that developed badass car parts that are known for being dangerous but their rescue equipment is made for safety down to the type of hydraulic fluid used i just like those little details That this thing is specifically made for rescue. When an occupant is trapped, the tool is used to pry or cut the car to remove the occupants. So they literally can cut into a car. They put this hydraulic claw thing into it and it can cut into it. It can just like they put into a wind car window that's already been smashed, that's so small that a person can't climb through it anymore or something like that in a wreck. They take the jaws of life, they open that SOB up and just. I'm assuming make some kind of noise like that real loud, like elevator noise and just open that bitch up and get that person out of there. I love that. So uh, what used to take an hour now only took the uh, rescue crews about three minutes. Can you imagine the amount of lives that saved the amount of safety, the amount of danger that's, that's avoided? But some like the rescue crews have a whole process for i'm sure they have tons of process for if there's a car wreck we do this every time we do this this and this steps that they have to take imagine one of those steps going from one hour to three minutes i'm I, the impact this tool had on rescuing people from things amazing it's you know it's like the guardian angel as the Hearst website notes in three minutes the average person can listen to a song make their bed or brush their teeth. In three minutes, first responders can save a life with Hearst Jaws of Life tools. So pretty good marketing. (laughs) We'll get into the marketing in a bit. It's amazing. But firefighters can elect to carry, here's a couple different ones here, combination of tool. um, They can, a combination tool is sort of known as like the Swiss army knife of Jaws of Life uh, with cutting and spreading functions that increase the speed of uh, extraction. And some departments also carry individual function Jaws of Life machines that spread, Cut and ram the strong arm or (laughs) strong arm was adapted to meet the standards of law enforcement and military communities, adding a a capable tool to their breaching arsenals. So, breaking open doors and stuff and walls. So, from what I can tell, it seems about 5,000 pounds per square inch is the standard amount of force. Used with these tools, I'm sure they can go higher, but that's the standard. For comparison, just to know how powerful these things are, the strongest bite ever recorded was a saltwater crocodile with 3,700 psi pounds per square inch, and we humans bite into a steak, you know, we tear into a big old meaty t-bone at about 150 to 2 200 pounds per square inch, and the jaws of life's to 5,000. So, alligator ain't got shit on the jaws of life, um, which I would hope so. Um, we would use something a little bit better than what the animal kingdom come up with. Uh, um, Human ingenuity, it's great. Got a a couple pictures up here of the spreader. Uh, It's probably the most common-looking jaws of life. Um, Just looks like a big old lobster claw going in there, and it has grips on the outside, so if you want to, like, pick something up, if you want to spread it apart, if you want to cut into it. um, They also have a specific cutter. It looks like something you would cut, like, tree branch with. And then they have this rammer, which, that's interesting looking. It... (laughs) I don't know the best way to explain it. It almost looks like, I don't know, like a coffee frother or something. The rammer is just, it's literally just a bar that expands out. Like if a car is crushed in on itself, you stick, you wedge this in there, and then hydraulic pumps make, make, basically make it expand, pushing the car, opening it up a little bit more. So there's a couple of different ones. It's better to see pictures of it on the blog, or you can just Google Jaws of Life and different kinds. The Hurst power tool adopted the nickname, the Jaws of Life for its role in snatching victims from the jaws of death. So here's the whole, that was the, the, the impact of the tool itself. I want to talk now, the thing that I love, the name, that's the other part I want to talk about in this episode. Mike Brick, the man Hearst hired to market his invention, coined the phrase Jaws of Life after he observed people saying that their new device snatched people from the jaws of death and then used it as a registered brand name for Hearst products. The name Jaws of Life is, however, used colloquially colloquially uh to describe other hydraulic rescue tools so we're getting the communication law here in the marketing and public relations field this name is regarded as an amazing idea like one of the greatest marketing things ever uh public relation tactics ever the jaws of life sounds badass so just just think of the words there before you know what it if you have no idea what it is jaws of life that's awesome what does it mean you ask questions what is a jaws of life i remember as a kid my dad said it and about some kind of rescue thing there and i was like what is that and that's got to be everyone's first reaction when they first time they ever hear of the jaws of life what are you talking about and then you tell them they're like oh that's awesome this is so cool so it's a badass sounding name and it represents an invention that is also really badass and really helpful um it's, it also happens to save lives on a regular basis. So it has tons of power. It has a really cool name. And it does something that pretty much everyone can unanimously agree is great. Saving people. So it's one of the greatest inventions of all time. Especially in Rescue. Jaws of Life is still a trademark brand name. But could be in danger to losing their rights to the name. Um, to general generalization of the trademark. That is a word. I swear I looked it up. Looking up this phenomenon where trademark names become, they lose their trademark because the names become commonplace. I have talked about this before, but I looked it up as a genericization of a trademark. I was like, okay, never heard that one. But a generic trademark, also known as genericized trademark or proprietary ep- eponym, is a trademark or brand name that because of its popularity or significance has become the generic term for or synonymous with a general class of products or services, usually against the intentions of the trademark's owner. So, might be confusing. Back in episode 12 of the Who to Thunk It podcast, I talked more about this, but here's a brief synopsis. Trademarks such as Band Aid, Escalator, Laundromat, and Popsicle were once owned by companies as official brand names that they had rights to, right? Bet you didn't know that yeah the popsicle uh once their product names became common use words that weren't brand specific they became entries in the dictionary and not specific names owned by companies so at one point in time band-aid you couldn't just write that on something without you know a company being potentially being able to sue you for for violating their rights of of trademark their um creative rights that's not the case anymore they cannot trademark that because you, me, and everyone calls it a freaking Band-Aid. What else would you call it? An adhesive bandage? Nobody calls it that. They call it Band-Aid. Even though that was a specific brand name and not the name of the actual invention. Yeah, so that's how that goes. A good example of this might happen in the future, I doubt it though because their legal teams are so extensive, Google. When you, when you, internet, who says internet search? You don't. You say, could you Google that for me? they think thinking that might happen to Google. Um, so anyway, good example of that. And they think this might happen to Jaws of Life. The name Jaws of Life is such a badass name that it is used colloquially to describe other hydraulic rescue tools. This puts the trademark at risk. So I find that interesting. And anytime I see one of those genericized trademarks, I'm like, ooh, I want to look into it again. And I love it. It's just a good example of why college in very specific situations is a great thing to go to because you'll find shit that you're really interested in that most other people are like what this is so boring i'm interested in it because i had a good professor that taught me communication law stuff so cool check it out i know i went on a tangent there but i studied communication law in college and it, like i said it fascinates me but anyway moving on so there's the name there and the trademark of jaws of life another great public relations campaign conducted by hearst is the green cross award straight from the jaws of life.com says this the green cross is a symbol of recognition for those who have used hearst jaws of life uh, products to save lives it's our way of celebrating the bravery shown by rescue teams worldwide since the program's inception we've acknowledged tens of thousands of men and women around the globe with this prestigious honor so i think that'd be a pretty cool thing to get in the mail let's say you're an emt person or who firefighter and you rescue someone you're like oh my gosh that was nuts i got to use the jaws of life never thought i have to use that you get a patch in the mail saying like thank you for saving someone with our product like just 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 to honor you i'm looking at a map here it really is all over the world uh every continent except antarctica has people that have been rescued by the jaws of life which i find pretty cool um tens of thousands of people a couple of more pictures in the blog of the jaws of life they have little extender ones if you're not very tall i guess so <laughs> check those out now i have a lot of respect for this company and their public relations tactics all of it it comes off as a really nice story founder of hearst built his fortune fortune by making muscle cars more efficient and drive faster one day he sees the other side of his industry uh when he witnesses a crash he sees the danger associated with his work and it shocked him and he felt compelled to do something so he invents a life-saving tool a life-saving tool that cuts the time of rescue situations where every second counts down by you know over 55 minutes with this invention he completely changes how fire and rescue operations are conducted all over the world to me kind of sounds like a real world tony stark iron man story deal going on if you haven't seen iron man where have you been you don't have to watch all the Marvel movies, but the first Iron Man's freaking awesome. Such a good movie. Robert Downey Jr. Or read the comics. You just know the story of Iron Man. This thing, The story was he was an arms dealer. He inherited the company from his dad. One day he's out selling his weapons. The Humvee he's in gets hit by a rocket. He gets out of the Humvee. One rocket didn't go off and it says Stark Industries. And he goes, oh my gosh, this is the danger that my product that I built my fortune on causes. I need to do something to sort of, you know, negate that danger and do something about it. That's what Hearst did. Like I said, a little bit toned down version, but he built these muscle cars. Muscle cars are great. I'm not, you know, they're not missiles, but they are dangerous. He saw what the kind of danger comes with that and why some people lose their lives to the products that he created. And he said, I'm going to do something about it. He comes up with this awesome he has his research team come up with this Jaws of Life, and it's no small cookie. The Jaws of Life is seriously one of the most impactful things. We just don't hear about it much because rescue is not picture perfect. There's, there's bodies, there's stuff like that. So I don't know. I thought it was important to do this. I was driving on a road trip this past week with my fiance, and I don't know why I thought of the Jaws of Life, but I thought, I, this That's a podcast. I'm going to talk about it. It just so happens his invention, along with having one of the coolest names, of any piece of equipment ever also looks like a badass piece of equipment similar to how little boys look upon modern construction equipment like dump trucks and backhoes with admiration we've all seen little boys be like oh wow it's a dump truck i know i found myself <laughs> googling <laughs> what it would cost to buy my very own jaws of life <laughs> i was kind of excited i was like oh my gosh if it's like it's like eight hundred bucks. I could totally save up the money to buy a jaws of life, and my Shannon's like, "What are you gonna do with that?" Like, it doesn't matter. I just wanna, I don't know, just humor, humor me. Can you Google it for me? Thirteen thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna buy one. But you can, and that's really cool. I'm just, somebody rich listening to this, go buy yourself a jaws of life. What would you do with it? Anything. It can do anything. <laughs> Cut, spread, ram. 5,000 pounds per square inch. It's amazing. So the Hearst Performance Company, uh, just to tie this up, it's not a it's not a happy ending, but the company itself, the Hearst Performance Company, was bought in 1970 by Sunbeam Products. A buyout isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. Uh, it usually comes along with a pretty big paycheck. George Hearst was promised an executive position and seat on the board of directors as part of the buyout, but some, Sunbeam did not follow through. According to one variation of this account, Sunbeam specifically... Uh, informed mr hearst that he would no longer be affiliated with the company at all so in 1987 the hearst operations were sold by sunbeam and became part of mr gasket company and then in 2007 BM racing and performance products bought the hearst brand so they're still around they still market the hearst jaws of life you know it's it's still around but now it's owned by BM racing and performance products george hearst himself um lived to the age of 59 died in 1986 his invention, without a doubt, is one of the most instrumental tools used to save lives of the 20th century, and it is still in use today all across the world. So here's to you, Mr. George Hurst. Thank you for your invention, and rest in peace. Thanks for listening to episode 103 of the Hootah Thunker podcast. I thought this was going to be a short one, but I got a pretty long recommendation segment and pretty cool topic. So hope you liked it. Tune in next week, Huda Thunkers, and have a good day check you later.